0: Well, the word of the day is quarantine. Maybe back-to-back with the term travel ban. And in an environment where, as we stand today, uh, those who are listening uh, off in the future look back up in history to the coronavirus and uh, the effects it's having on society or had on society, hopefully uh, even those listening just a few weeks from now will uh, be viewing this as a historic event rather than still current. But in our world of big focus on how to break apart social groupings and keep people isolated from each other, pays for us to spend a few minutes talking about interconnectivity and community and individual. This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachos Talks, growth-oriented, partially related Torah podcasts. For most of us, myself and most of our listeners, Purim has just ended. Today is Shushan Purim, the day in which any of our listeners in Yerushalayim are still celebrating their Purim. And big focus on Purim, on interconnectivity and the social connections developed by sharing food, joining together in various venues, all of Shushan fasting together for Esther's merit. And the fact that although Haman pulled together so much money to win the rights to destroy the Jews, we had the merit of the money that had been pulled in much earlier by our collection, which is actually referred to in the beginning of this week's Parsha. This coming week's Parsha of Kisisa deals with the Count of Israel, the census that involved a collection of half shekel coins. We referred to this a few weeks ago in dealing with fundraising issues in the Jewish world, but this focus at the beginning of the Parsha is on the head lifting, the kisisa, the lifting of the heads of each individual, highlighting the individual, but not really highlighting the individual. One coin per person, one half shekel per coin, sort of saying like a half dollar per individual, So as to guarantee that we get the proper census, without really highlighting any individual, never pointing to an individual and saying, you are number one, two, three, or four. So we're not calling anybody a number, and nobody is on their own complete. I am only uh, complete if there's another shekel given as well, another half shekel. And as such, there's always a sense I'm important. My half shekel can't be missing from the count, but... There's something missing if there's no matching half shekel, and the notion that we are all critically important, but not to be seen as of value without the fact that there is community surrounding us as well, and that we have a interplay with that community. And it's fascinating. Uh, we Go out of our way when counting to this very day. When counting to see if there's a quorum in the room, a minion rather than one, two, three, four, we'll use words of a verse: Hoshia esamecha" or the blessing "Barachata hamotzi lecha min That's ten. Uh, we we avoid pointing the finger and giving a number, assigning a number to a person, and in so doing, we're trying to say we don't highlight as a pure individual. With whatever great virtues, but also potentially faults, that would draw attention to yourself, you are significant as part of the pool, part of the collection. In a um, very interesting essay written by Naftali Reich, uh, probably about 15, maybe 20 years ago, um, he described, actually I'm actually going to read actually a, a line from his thoughts over here, where he describes the... The Western society places great emphasis on the overriding importance of the individual. Collective society is only there to accommodate all its individuals, to safeguard their individual rights and privileges. The responsibilities of the individual to society are largely ignored. According to the contemporary Western value system, the individual may not encroach on his brother's space, but he is not his brother's keeper either. The result is a society that endeavors to protect the life and liberty of each individual, but encourages him to live in egocentric spiritual isolation. One more paragraph of uh, this essay of Rabbi Reich. The Torah concept of the individual, on the other hand, is tempered with a strong sense of community. Our sages consider each individual person a world unto himself of such transcendent importance that the entire universe could have been created for his sake alone, and yet... The individual is not an island apart. He is part of the broader community to which he bears significant responsibilities and from which he draws significant strength. This blend of the two, and that we have to recognize that we are who we are because we're part of something bigger. That attitude can make all the difference. There was a um, fascinating comment by one of the sages who was living during the time of the Napoleonic Wars Rechaim of Elisha was asked as to his expectation, as to the outcome, who was going to be successful. And I commented that it's a given. Napoleon is very powerful, but he will ultimately fail. When asked why, he responded with the following uh, mashal, the following analogy. He described the case of an individual who was traveling, a very wealthy individual, traveling with a beautiful coach led by four powerful horses, Uh, Each of these beautiful horses had been selected from the world's best horse ranches, one from Egypt and one from, actually depending when it was in history, not so likely that one was from Lexington, Kentucky, but he had searched the world for the world's best horses, and those four horses were leading his coach. He was traveling along, there had been some very heavy rainstorms uh, earlier in the week, and... The horses at one point veered slightly off the road and ended up in a very, very, very muddy ditch. And much as they were trying, they could not pull the wagon back out of the ditch. And he was sitting there trying to lash the horses, yell at the horses, and nothing doing. They're stuck. And a little while later, a rickety wagon comes kind of hobbling along, has several... Like horses that seem to be kind of like lumping along as they're pulling this rickety wagon. And this individual yells out from his wagon, Hey, fella, can I give you a hand? Huh, give me a hand. How are you going to do that? What are you going to provide me? He said, Well, I've got my horses over here. I can latch them to your carriage and pull you out of there. And he looks at this individual and says, um, Fine, sir, appreciate the offer, but... Look at your horses. Look at my horses. My horses can't manage to get this wagon out and, um... You know, nothing personal over here. But your four horses don't have the horsepower of any one of mine. Let me give her a try. Before he knows it, this individual has unhitched the four beautiful horses and has attached his in their stead. He gives one whip. Out comes the wagon, pulled right out of the mud. So when this wealthy individual looks baffled and asks, how did that just happen? He said, let me tell you, sir. My guess. Your four horses. How are they related to each other? Well, they're not actually related to each other. They kind of never met each other until I purchased them all and brought them onto my property. Exactly what I thought. You see, when you hit one of your horses, each one of them figures, hey, boy, am I lucky that he's not hitting me. And Kind of that's how they react to each other. My horses are brothers, and when one of them gets hit, they all feel the pain, and they all pull hard to get that wagon out so that their brother won't be hit. Using that muscle, that analogy, Rav Chaim of Vilozhin commented that Napoleon had very, very powerful, well-trained soldiers, but they were to a great degree mercenaries that he had hired to to do his bidding and to win his wars. And when they're going to get tough. You know this expression. The Russian soldiers who was fighting against were comrades. They were fighting for their motherland as brethren. And they weren't going to let each other suffer any more than the... whatever that minimum would be, they would automatically react to see to it. They were, they were defending each other and defending their motherland. Mercenaries, fighting for an uncommon cause, no such thing the attitude the Torah wants has to have for each other with this half-shekel coin collection, is that I'm part of the picture, but in a sense only to the degree that there's somebody else part of the picture. Who's that somebody else? Who's that other half-shekel? The entire body of Israel are kind of who I am matched up with. Every one of them is giving a half-shekel matching mine, and I'm matching every one of them. There's that incredible interconnectivity, sense of uh, the mutual importance and in a era where in a, hopefully it will be a very temporary time, where people are constantly trying to figure out ways, looking at the situation over here. How do I protect myself, my loved ones? At the same time, the care and compassion we should have for all, and the degree to which we should be concerned. There are people who are suffering big time, people whose businesses were heavily China-based, people whose travel wasn't just a luxury, but a matter of you know, a critical component of their financial needs, of their family needs, of other people's health needs. And the more compassionate we can be in feeling for all those who are so radically impacted right now, hopefully that can serve as a merit to protect us as well from this uh, major concern, having this attitude, that as we go through life in general, that I'm important, I'm on the lookout for me, but it's me is part of a bigger whole. And my real focus is on, the, on that larger society of which I'm a significant piece. Hopefully we can keep that in mind. Help when it comes to all others in any way that we can help with their current financial, social, family needs and then be there for them, be there for them at least in spirit and at least sympathizing, uh, if we can do that from the distance. And in so doing, be the type of people who are that much more likely to achieve our